This is Artists of Springfield, a podcast produced by the Springfield Regional Arts Council and Drury Insight, where we talk with artists around town about their work, their experiences with the arts community, and how COVID-19 has affected them. We hope to introduce you to some new people or bring up some familiar faces. Today's episode, we talk with Linda Passeri, the owner of Moon City Arts. She is a sculptor, painter, and potter who specializes in a steampunk art style. You can check out her work on the Moon City Arts Facebook page. I'm Jack Griffiths, and today we are talking with Linda Passeri. Welcome, Linda. How are you? I'm great. Nice to be here. Let's dive straight into the questions. Um, how old were you when you began practicing art and what sparked your initial interest? Well, I've always been, always been into art and drawing uh, just since I was, ever since I can remember. And what sparked me was I had an older brother who was a few years older than me and I watched him copying drawings from Mad Magazine and he could copy them perfectly and I was just so jealous. I'm like, I want to do that too. And so that's when I started, uh, I wanted to draw too, so I started copying things out of Mad Magazine and my brother eventually gave it up and I got all of his pencils and pads. So it was a little sibling rivalry there. Yeah, a little. (laughs) I've got a bit of that with my sister as well. Not in art, but yeah. Um, Are you from, originally from Springfield? No, I'm from Rochester, New York. Rochester, New York. So what brought you here to Springfield? Uh, My dad uh, worked at the French's, R.T. French, and they transferred down here. They moved the whole plant. So we came down with about around 20 families. They relocated here and and this was where we ended up. And I was in junior high, so it was a pretty big culture shock for me. Yeah, I bet that's quite a change from New York to Missouri. Um, and what's kept you around Springfield? Sort of? um, I've traveled a little here and there and lived a few other places sporadically, but right now this is where my family is. So, uh, and I have you know, a daughter and granddaughters, and, and so that's what, what keeps me here for the moment. But uh, I'm always... Got an eye on moving, you know, even if it's just part-time to just see more of the world and see more of the country and take my art to other parts of the country and, and, and get a, get more reaction and more exposure from the rest of the country. Yeah. Have you been, have you been to any certain places that sort of has given you any inspiration or? Uh, I love to be down in the uh, St. Pete, Florida area. There's a big arts community there. Um, and uh, also I've traveled a little bit to uh, arts uh, community in Portland, uh, Seattle, uh, Victoria, BC. There's a really wonderful arts community there and a creative district. So I've been to a few places and of course back to Rochester. Uh, so there's uh, Niagara Falls, places like that. There's some great opportunities there. And you say that you've sort of, I guess you've you get drawn back to Springfield. What do you think about the uh, Springfield arts community? I think that it has, um, like a lot of things in Springfield, there's a lot of people with a lot of talent that have great potential. And it just seems like it just things move so slowly here that it can get a little frustrated and you can get a little uh, weary of the the struggle, you know, to move things ahead. Uh, When things do eventually you know, when you accomplish a goal, then it's, you know, you get reinvigorated. But uh, 
what I would like to see in Springfield and what a lot of people would is, you know, everybody has visions. I have visions for so much more public art. I mean, I feel like we're in a public art desert here and uh, we need to change that. We definitely have the people who can do it. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you mentioned that some of your work is currently displayed at uh, Waverly House Gallery um, here in town. How important do you believe the art community in Springfield is in supporting the local artists? Uh, they're pretty good at, at supporting local artists. Um, we don't live in a highly populated city, so we don't get the draw, you know, if we lived in even in St. Louis or Little Rock or Tulsa, we would have more people that would be art buyers. Uh, but for the population of the city of Springfield, I think that the, the people who do support the arts are very dedicated. I just think that uh, it would be, it's wonderful to be able to kind of move away from your home area and fish the other bank as it was, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try and sort of, yeah, cast a larger net, I yeah. guess, yeah. Um, moving on to the topic of COVID-19, um, we know a lot of people have taken massive hits because of the pandemic. Um, how did it affect you and your work? Well, last year, the, uh, I do, I have gallery representation here, but I also do a few art shows and I also produce an art show. I'm the coordinator for the Moon City Art Show, which is Summer Solstice, which is held in June. Um, last year, of course, Arts Fest was canceled. Our show was canceled. The Joplin Arts, uh, Arts Fest was canceled. So uh, the shows that would normally, you know, give you a boost in, in uh, art sales were all shut down. Uh, and a lot of artists went virtual. A lot of shows went virtual. Um, my work is really, I'm not really comfortable with sending it through the mail. You know, most of my sculptures are, are just, it's not like I could go to the back room and get another one if it breaks. Yeah. So it makes me nervous to send them. I'd rather settle it directly to the buyer mm -hmm. and get their feedback and have a conversation with them about it. So uh, that didn't really happen for me. Uh, my website, I actually uh, took my website down and uh, just continued on with Instagram and Facebook. And uh, I, I've done fine with uh, other work, with teaching and uh, some mural work and uh, other projects. And uh, so that's kind of filled in the gap. So for me, I, I, didn't, I didn't lose my income, I just shifted my income. It came from different places. Yeah. And I feel like for a lot of artists, this has given us an opportunity to just uh, expand uh, where our income's coming from and just we're forced to see other possibilities. And I think it's been good for a lot of artists. Yeah. Creatively. Every cloud, as they say. Absolutely. We're trying to raise money for the Artist Relief Fund right now um, with this campaign. Personally, how helpful can artist funds be, especially during these unprecedented times? Well, you know, when it comes to, uh, now luckily I don't have kids that I need to feed, but I, if I think about having to buy art supplies or having to feed my kids, well then there's no choice there. So, uh, you know, just keeping the, keeping the lights on and keeping the mortgage paid is, is a struggle. And so any kind of a boost at all um, can, can give you that extra 
incentives you need to keep going through this time. You know, so many artists have had to, have lost their other income. And uh, so when it comes down to trying to make things to sell or trying to create or try to spend time uh, with, with other revenues of income, any kind of a boost at all. I mean, even if it's a hundred dollars, sometimes that makes the difference in a week, whether you can make a car payment or not. So, you know, uh, it's it's hard to be um, making your money from art, but I think the key to that is being uh, flexible. And uh, so any any little finding a hundred dollars in your pocket or getting a boost from the community is not only great monetarily, but it's also a boost for your for your self esteem as an artist. It keeps you keeps you engaged and it keeps you uh, wanting to continue. Keeps you motivated, so keep making. Yeah, and you mentioned that you diversified the ways of which you're currently making income because of the pandemic. After the pandemic is over, um, what are your plans going forward in terms of like how what you want to produce, what avenues you're looking to go down, um, and sort of future developments? Well, I think uh, I will work more at uh, gallery representation in other parts of the country uh, and rely less on travel and shows. I'd rather do travel and gallery work, and uh, I'm going to up. Uh, my my big work, my exterior work, my outdoor mural work. I have a few things in progress, and I w- want to continue that. I want to have more work out there, more big work. I've done uh, one big piece here in Springfield and one big piece in Joplin, and uh, there's three or four in the work. So that is something that you don't have to worry about socially distancing from because if you're up on a on a lift and you're 10 feet off the ground or 12 feet off the ground you're it's pretty much a solitary uh, piece of work or the way you work so that is something that helped me through the pandemic and something I'll continue to do that's pretty pretty safe up there (laughs) Um, is there any specific piece of art that you've created that you're sort of well lately I would say probably the mural on C Street at the Footbridge Trading Company Uh, that that mural was, uh, it came at just the right time. We had been talking about it for over a year, but the, the timing was perfectly. Got to do it last summer and uh, got to use a new type of paint that I've never used before. So that was a learning experience since it was a, a historic building and it was on old brick. We used a mineral-based paint that came from uh, Europe that they use there a lot, but I've never used here. I never, I couldn't talk to anybody who had used it for a mural, uh, but it worked out fantastic. It was great paint to work with, very expensive, but great medium. So I, I learned there, and uh, that that mural there is uh, probably what I'm the most proud of that I've done in the last, you know, recently. And then, of course, I also have a, a big mural in Joplin that was a collaborative effort with an artist in Joplin. Uh, Andrew Batchelor and uh, him and I worked on this big mural that was a mural that was a welcome to the Joplin Arts District and so that was a great project to work on Um, and I'm pretty proud of that one too the way we were able to 
collaborate on that piece of work and still both of our styles came through independently but we got to make a cohesive piece of work was uh, was a really great experience. What's the sort of time frame that it takes to create these murals? Well to come up with the concept is really about the easiest part um, and finding a place that's the easy part. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of places that need paint, there's plenty of pay- people who are willing to give you a wall, uh, it's finding the funding. And so, uh, you know, you have to try to try to come up with a cost on how much paint you're going to need, how much time you're going to need, what equipment you're going to need, and then try to find the funding for it. And that's, that's always the, the hardest part. Because you get a lot of people who want to help. Yeah. <laughs> but not a lot of people who want to help pay. <laughs> that's like in most things, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, we spoke about when you were younger and your brother was... Um, sketching and sort of copying from the magazines and stuff. What originally drew you to the steampunk style? Uh, well, originally, I uh, the first piece I did that was steampunk style was when I was taking a ceramics class at the uh, Springfield Art Museum. I was working in the sign, business, sign industry. Um, I've always had jobs, creative jobs, since I graduated high school because I didn't get a chance to go to college, I didn't get a chance to do any further education, so I had to go to work, and so I made the conscious decision that every job I had would be a creative job, because that's the way I could stay in it. And so I was working in uh, the sign industry as a developer of uh, sign design, and I decided to take a class at the Springfield Art Museum to get back into clay, and I had done some in high school. I thought, oh, that's gonna be, that'll be nice, I need to do something more. And uh, the people in the class, it's, you know, you sit around a table and somebody sees what somebody else is doing. They go, I want to try that. And some of the people were making mushrooms and they had a stick in a pot and they were kind of pedestrian little mushrooms. And I thought, I'm not interested in doing that. And uh, I thought, well, you know, sticking one in in a pot, that's kind of limiting. If I did one, I'd want to make a base for it. And then I thought, my first thought was, okay, I would like to make a mushroom that sprang out of a uh, pile of rusty nuts and bolts. And if the, the mushroom sprang and grew from that, then it would be a metallic mushroom that was made from nuts and bolts and found pieces. And that was the very first steampunk piece I did. And I just loved doing it. I loved having that creativity because uh, the way I always feel about using clay is you can recreate something like a nut or a bolt and you can recreate it as recreate it as it is but you have a, a medium that is malleable so why make it as it is why not make it twisted or make it you know in your your own mind you can make it however you want you can make it your unicorn you know so I can make a mushroom that was made out of nuts and bolts and I can make the nuts and bolts twist and turn and, and make fasteners that are from my imagination. So that's what started me making that. And do those ideas when you're in the process of sort of making things, do they come to you? In cartoons usually. That's how, that's how <laughs> I come. Do you, is there an initial process where you might sketch something yeah. down first yeah. and the then first, you go to... When, when I have an idea, the very first uh, image that I get in my brain is always cartoons. All my ideas come to me in cartoons. I don't know why, that's just the way they come. And then I can 
I'll do quick sketches. During meetings, I make sketches. That's just the way I think, you know, and then sometimes you'll just start with a small idea of like the steampunk mushroom, and then it will grow from there. So as you're making one piece, or as I'm making one piece, I generally have two or three ideas for another piece. And so you get to a point, and I think a lot of artists do, where you get about three quarters of the way through your piece, and you're like, I gotta hurry up and get this done because I gotta move on to the next thing. <laughs> do they have a blend together the ideas when you've got always yeah. they always do <laughs> you say that a smile can be found in most of your work um what is your motivation to sculpt and paint um i think because i can you know and so i can take a piece of of clay and that was originally you know in the ground you know it's a piece of dirt and i can with my hands i can make something that uh, is totally out of my imagination. Um, and when I started sculpting cats, and I can't tell you why I started sculpting cats, I just did, and uh, started giving them a toothy grin. It was just, it, it made me smile. And when people would see them, I, I could see people walking like at an art show and they would come down through, through the tents and they would be looking at things and when they'd spot my cats, they would smile, the people would smile and I thought, well that's great, it's great that you can, that you can create something that gives somebody uh, a smile, you know, so that's what I, I, I try to do. Now I'd have some darker pieces that I do too that are definitely not smiling, but <laughs> I do enjoy making things that smile. Did you have any cats when you were younger? Uh, yeah, I'm not really a cat person, though. I, I really enjoy sculpting them, but uh, I, I have a dog. <laughs> I'm a dog person myself. <laughs> but I can't really sculpt dogs because dogs are so breed-specific. You know, if you did a, a, a wiener dog, somebody would say, well, I have a Malamute, you know, and could you do that? But you can kind of do a generic cat, and I can do it purple, and I can do it pink, and, and I'm good. I like, I like the, that quote that you said, a smile can be found in most of your work. That's... That's really good that it's bringing enjoyment to other people, especially when they're looking at it. If you were to give one piece of advice to an aspiring artist listening, what would that be? I would say to learn as many aspects of art as you can and then be flexible because you'll, you'll meet a lot of artists that have been artists for many years and most of them will tell you that their trajectory was not a straight path. It was... I ended up here, and then I got an opportunity here. And so if you can just stay open-minded about how you can make your living as an artist or as a performer. Mm -hmm. There's so many offshoots in different fields that uh, I think to be rigid in your expectations of a career is, is probably not a good idea. I think you just need to be open. Uh, most opportunities come when someone offers you an opportunity and you think, well, that is not exactly the way I wanted to go with my work, but say yes, give it a try. You know, it may open up a whole different field for you that you never even imagined. Is that, that's how you got into different mediums Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, that's it. Thank you very much, Linda. You're welcome. Uh, pleasure Glad to have to you here. on. Thanks for tuning in to Artists of Springfield, a podcast produced by the Springfield Regional Arts Council and Dre Insight. To donate to the Artist Relief Fund, please check out the link in the description, or you can find more information on the Springfield Regional Arts Facebook page and on Instagram, at Springfield Arts.